What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey there. Wow, you look just like your avatar. <laughs> I look nothing like my avatar. I look nothing like my avatar either. I look like John Slattery's less attractive brother. I, 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 I feel bad because... <laughs> My avatar, the skin color is a little dark for me, and I couldn't find my skin tone. I I don't know how to work these things. Are you, are you yes? We should explain at the outset that we that we are uh, we are both semi luddites and have little oh, idea, I'm an idiot. little to no idea what's like, going on with this. I look like I'm my you, father can, after being in Vegas for two weeks by the pool. Let me and to all my listeners, let me say a very <laughs> merry Christmas. And discipline mixed with love is the best recipe. We've gone okay. right into Joan early, eh? Yes, early Joan Crawford. Well, mid Joan Crawford, really. That was <laughs> what's going on. So, what are we talking uh, about? Nothing. Frank? Nice to see you. Long time. Let's no, actually well, explain. Well. Let's let's try to orient people. I think most people on the app already know what's going on. But well, this since this episode's going to eventually go into our regular queue, our regular archive, we'll explain. We are on a new app called, relatively new app called Stereo, where people can listen to other people's conversations legally this time. Yes, and, legally. Uh, I get. I assume, and I, <laughs> my understanding of it, as as our friend Jason Smith at Starburns explains it to to us, it's a podcast app. Uh, where interviews can take place and people can uh, can participate. I already you got can listen pop-up. in. You can feel like J. Edgar Hoover. You can listen yes. in. <laughs> they can listen in to our conversations, or you can listen yeah. into anyone else's conversation. We should also explain that Gilbert is dealing with a family matter. He will be back with us soon. So the nice people at at Starburns and Stereo invited us to do this, and we're trying it. Uh, we Mar- yeah. both Mario and I are in the dark and have little idea of what we're doing, as we said. Yeah, but we're little. game, aren't we? We're adventurous. I'm very. I'm so game. You have. I'm so game. I'm a pheasant. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. We're. We'll take a quick moment to thank everybody uh, for the Christmas episode, our, our seasonal episode, which we did this year. It was on the really regular podcast. Do. We yeah. had a great time. Got a lot of wonderful feedback about it. It was overwhelming. The reviews were overwhelming. It's nice, isn't it, to see all that love on social media? Yes, it really is. And I we make wanna, fun, but it is. We will thank your partner, Jerry Dixon, too, who was an integral part of it. Yes, and our friend, my husband, our Jerry friend Dixon. I'm, my partner slash husband, or however you want to call them, since we're homosexuals and we're re-fucking-named every two seconds. Partner, <laughs> husband, 
lover, mate. Well, we'll we'll Ugh. we'll point out too that that Jerry was doing the musical arranging, and he was doing the he was accompanying you on both the yes. Mama Cass song and the Gar and the Judy Garland number. At yes, the end. he did. And, yeah, and he is a, he is a big help to us every year that we do this, and we did not want him to go unrecognized or uh, no nope. uncom uncomplimented, if that's a word. And John Murray uh, added like backup vocals and a few other instru instruments to the Mama Cass tune too. He asked yeah. Jerry and I if he could do that, and he did it. And him and his daughter did the backup vocals, and it was great. His daughter can really sing too. His yes, his daughter <laughs> Samantha has a lovely voice, and and John brings so much to the table. And I have to say, I'll use this moment to shout him out since since lockdown began back in March. He's been rescuing us on pretty much a weekly basis. So. Um, I'm, I don't know if he's on here, but we'll get this to him. So, John, thank you for saving our Thank skin. you, John. John and, and Jerry Dixon, two J's. Yes, two J's. So uh, we, we came up with, Mar you know, uh, this was a, 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 a thing that came along late. And Mario and I came up with a little format. Mario was a guest once upon a time. Mario, as Jerry calls you. You were a guest yes. once upon a time on TCM. And you were yes. asked to pick favorite movies. Um, was that on The Essentials? Um, uh, it was on, it was not the essential. It was just when they, they didn't have the essentials yet. I don't think it was a while. Oh, okay. I think it was like 2005, 2006. Okay. I was a guest programmer. Uh, you were so a guest programmer. And I what was. did you program? I, program? I programmed Mrs. Skeffington, Meet Me in St. Louis, um, um, uh, a woman's face with Joan Crawford, where she has the scar and then she gets a plastic surgery and she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and the other one, I, I don't remember. Was, it, what was it, it Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol? No, it was not that piece of shit. <laughs> that was just throwing a bone. To the no, it was not. It was not. I forget what it was. I don't even, I don't even know. I, it's so funny. There was four and I, I'm forgetting the fourth one. Oh, I can't remember anything. COVID fog. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to force you to get closer to that mic again. Oh, sorry. Here, I'll lift it up around my neck like I'm going to hang myself because of you. Much better. Because if we're going to, we go. we'll use this, you know, it'll be a future episode. Uh, I get it. Uh, people will want to hear you. So anyway, we came up with this format. Uh, Mario loves movies. I love movies. He was a guest programmer. And I said, we're starting a new decade. We're starting a new year. Why don't we just come up with some movies that we think because we're uh, nothing if not opinionated, that we think yeah. people should see, not necessarily, not new movies, by the way, but classic movies, movies we've loved our whole lives. Uh, yes. That, and you, you oh. came up with four or five, I came up with four or five, and I thought yeah. we would, I thought we would recommend them, discuss them, which is actually a format that Gilbert and I used uh, when we first started this years ago, but I think Gilbert ran out of movies on show 19. I'm sure he so, did. Well, you know, he, he can't remember shit, that one. I can't believe he came up with, like, I can't believe he lasted till show 19. He came up with some good ones. So anyway, we decided we would, uh, we would recommend these films, talk about them. Obviously, this is an interactive format, so I see people are already coming up with questions. And, oh, gosh. And, and comments. So Jason is with us. He is moderating. And, uh, and Jason, uh, we'll start this off, and then we'll, I guess we'll go to a question once we get the ball rolling. And again, everybody bear with us because this is brand new to us and we're in the dark. Stop disclaiming like we're idiots. Just keep going. <laughs> so why don't you start us off? See, Gilbert's not here, so I have to give you shit. Fine. I'm used to it. Why? I know. 
why did you <laughs> like 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 this should be any different than any time we've worked together in the past? That's right. Why oh boy, you, am I? What did I start? Tell, we could tell stories. We could do a whole episode about uh, about uh, segments we've done on the View. That's we certainly could. Oh, we certainly but could. It would be fun. Why don't you start us off and and uh, your, give us your first pick, and we'll discuss. Okay, it. so my movies are are from the seventies for some reason. Oh, I Maybe have because I was 70s. a child. That yeah, I've got a. I, I just you know I think back to the forties and the, and I love there's so many movies. There's so many obvious ones like All About Eve and Sunset Boulevard and white heat and you know there's so many great ones but i just kind of the things that stick in my mind so the first one i'll throw out there is alice doesn't live here anymore oh, which i believe was uh 1973 was it sounds right um yep and uh it was um it's just it's and it's martin scorsese who directed it it's one mm-hmm. of the great comedy it's kind of mostly comedy that, that, that was ever been made. Ellen Burstyn is so brilliant in it and Harvey Keitel's in it. And, and um, oh, Di- 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 Diane Ladd is in it. Diane Ladd. Yeah. Diane Ladd. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite movies ever. And it, it's a great trivia thing because it's the only uh, Scorsese film that was ever made into a sitcom. That's true with Linda Lavin, your friend. Yes, it was. Yes, it was yes. my friend Linda. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, it was. It had a much lighter tone in, in the sitcom, of course. But the the movie is it's just hilarious and also just brilliant. I don't know what it is about it, but I remember seeing it as a kid and going, "This film is magnificent." I went to see it like I was twelve, and I mm-hmm. I was so astute, and I just got it. I just got it. And I, and I remember she got, she won the Oscar that year um, because she, and everyone, everyone was saying she got Ellen Burstyn got the Oscar because she didn't get it for the exorcist the year before. But if you oh, look at both performances, they're both great, but she deserved it for Alice. Doesn't live her anymore. It's a great we film. See, we, One of my we favorites. See we, we, we see we have callers, so we'll get to them in a moment, but I wanted to comment. It's an unusual film for Scorsese to have directed because it's so unlike his, his, uh, his early body of work. Yep, um, it certainly is. I mean, you, you know, there yeah. was Mean Streets and then that. It's like, it was bizarre that it just kind of went that way. And and it was produced by David Susskind, produced it, I believe. It, it, I don't know how it all came together. I don't know the story about it. And I don't know how he got involved. Because you're, you're right, it's kind of a, a script that you would think he wasn't wouldn't be interested in. But it's but then you see the finished piece and you go, well, mm-hmm. this makes every bit of sense. And it's brilliant. I like the film. I saw, I saw it again a couple of years ago. Um, Christofferson's wonderful. Oh, he's uh, great in it. And he's beautiful in it. Di- yes. Diane Ladd we had on the podcast, actually. Oh, she's magnificent maybe, in it. Maybe two years ago. Yeah, really terrific. I like, I like the film very much. I, I, I think Ellen Burstyn is an underrated actress. Well, she did get nominated for a few Oscars. I mean, but you know, yeah. she's uh, she's she's an and she's a quite she's a hell of an actress. She really is. I, I I went. I remember being in high school and I went to see her speak live in in Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. it's in some auditorium. And I remember the one thing she said. She said, "Everybody that I know that's successful in this business is unhappy." Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, and I just thought, well. Get ready because I'm going into it. So, and then you <laughs> that, was, that was a green I'm, light. I'm, for di- I'm di- diving into unhappiness as we speak. So, yeah, right. it was, it was, she was fascinating. And, and I heard she's a very tough, tough one. She's, she's an, she's a strong, tough woman. She doesn't take any shit. But I've, she, I've, she's, I've, she's in New York. We were going to ask her to do the show. 
Oh, we, she, that's, we, we, we still might. You uh, should, because yeah, I think she'd yeah. be a great interview. So, so, uh, so as a 12 and year old, Jody, you, went, you went to see Alice doesn't live here. Yeah. And Jody, Fo- Jody Foster's in it too. She plays yes. the tough little tomboy whose yes. mother is a prostitute and she's hilarious in it. And she, you know, she gets Alice's son uh, to drink and, and I forget the name of the kid that played Alice's son. His first name is Alfred. He was so good. And he's just, it's just very, I don't know, it feels very organic and natural and real and like most Scorsese films, but it's mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's a great one. It's one don't of my favorites. Do you wish he had directed more comedies? And when you see when you see a film like The King of Comedy or, or After Hours, well, they're both very funny pictures. Well, you know, that's actually, I love that just as much. Mm-hmm. It's actually probably my favorite De Niro performance is uh, Rupert Pupkin. King of Comedy. Yep. It may and be I remember, too. I, I think it is. And it was right after Raging Bull and he was still losing the weight. So he was slightly chubby and he, he was just, uh, he's pathetic in it. He's so yeah. good. Yeah. And it's, a, and I remember uh, I spoke to him one time at a, at a Christmas party and I said to him, you know, that monologue you do on the Jerry Langford show, uh, I said, you know, the brilliance about it is that with middle America, that's not to, you know, you know, with, with middle America that, that is that, that monologue actually might kill on, you know, Johnny Carson in the eighties or the seventies. I mean, that's you to Passaic where he does that whole whole bit about being born in Clifton, New Jersey. Yes. I mean like that, I think your delivery of it, I mean, it it could work even though it's really bad. So that, that line that you walk with it is so brilliantly performed and then it's brilliantly written. He said, you know, I did it and I wasn't happy with it. And then I went away for a few weeks and I came back and I, I reshot it. I made them reshoot it. Oh, and he, one- he did it again. He wasn't happy with it the first time. It's a wonderful black comedy. Gilbert and I were asked uh, to introduce it a couple of years ago down at, uh, down at film forum. And uh, oh. we, we, we both have a soft spot in our hearts for that movie. And uh, and what, when I see it and I watch it frequently and when I watch After Hours, which is to me is a, a, a hilarious picture and a great uh, a great oddball Valentine to New York. I, yeah. I, I think this guy is truly funny. Uh, I oh, don't yeah. know why. I don't know why he didn't uh, why he didn't direct more comedies because he really well, even in. Support. But even in his dramas, in, in, in Raging Bull and Goodfellas, there's plenty of funny stuff in those films. That's true. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah. especially when you're Italian-American. You're just like, Absolutely. right on the money. Absolutely. So I'm yeah. going to hit one of these things, and I'm hoping that I do this right. Oh, tap to play. Okay, Jason. <laughs> we know you're out there moderating. And uh, I'm going to hit – which one of these do I hit? I guess I hit play. Yeah. just tap- Hey, guys. Going good so far. I just want to let you know I'm about to send you a message. Um, but that- no, that's the other. That's, J- that's Jason. <laughs> that's Jason, Jason, what Friday. the hell? Okay, I oh, hit the God. wrong button. Uh, let said me you got a message. Chapter uh, play. Let me hit this one. Let me see what happens. Nope, oh, that's not the right. This. We're like ninety years. So, hey guys, it's Mason Wood in uh, New Orleans, and here's my question for you guys. Now, when I was about ten or eleven years old, I was obsessed with Star Wars, but we we had our first cable system in town, and we were there was a twenty four hour movie channel. And even though I was obsessed with Star Wars, I watched the best years of our lives um, wow. one afternoon or, or evening or something like that, and. And more to be continued. And more to be continued, I guess. It, 
it completely changed the way that I looked at movies. And so I was, what I was wondering was, is there a movie that you watched as a young person, person that changed the way you saw the motion picture world or industry or the art form? Wow. Good question. What do you think, Mayor? There's, well, there's a million of them. I mean, that's all I did was go to the movies. So mm-hmm. um, I have to think about you first, Frank. <laughs> uh, was there a movie that changed the way I think Chill about on. movies? That, I, but I, I got I to think about that one and get back to him later on in the I'll, show. Look, I, I'll have to say there were many because I went yeah. to the movies all the time. And I'm probably older than than this young man from New Orleans. Um, shout out to New Orleans, one of my favorite cities. I go there all the time, even though I haven't been in a while because I'm not leaving or going anywhere until there's a friggin' <laughs> vaccine in my arm. Anyway, back to happier things. Um, I, I guess, well, you know, I, I, Alice's Live, What's Up Doc was a big one for me too. Oh yeah, That's like a good one. Like when That's I one. saw that, I mean, it was hilarious and brilliant and you know i guess it's the last of the great screwball comedies really directed by peter bogdanovich Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so i I, but there were so many i would go i i see the stoneham cinema where i grew up in my head yeah is it still there about we we always gilbert gilbert and i always ask people about their neighborhood movie theater their local no it's it's gone the first movie theater the, the first one was in stoneham square which is now a theater. It's a regional, a reputable regional equity theater called Stoneham Theater. Um, actually, I don't think it's called Stoneham Theater anymore. I think it's called something else. But anyway, that's there. But that, the, the, the one in the Stoneham Square was a ranky theater when I was a kid. You know, the last movie that played there and it stayed up on the marquee for like years was The Longest Day. Wow. And that's the truth. And then it became a porn house for a second. And people I were see. very upset about that. And that, that lasted like a week. And then, then it was shut down forever. And I used to drive by and go, if I have half the money, I'm going to make a regional theater out of that place. And I never had the money, so I didn't do it. And someone did. And I was so happy. And I, it's, a, it's a beautiful theater. Oh, that's the, good. The, well, that's the, a happy but the, but the general cinema that I went to was in, in, in a shopping mall called Redstone, which was one of the first shopping plazas made in the United States by Sumner Redstone. Um, and there was the general cinema there. That was the one I would go to all the time. I actually My have name. a couple of movie posters that I took from there on the way out. Oh, good. Good. Just good. took them. Good move. <laughs> oh, yeah. Took them right out of the frame. I'm like, I'm yeah. taking this New York, New York poster. I don't give a shit. And Mine I've got it good. hanging on my wall. New York, New York, another good Scorsese pick, underrated Scorsese oh, yeah. picture. Oh, I yeah. was, um, uh, mine was the Cross Bay Theater in Queens in Ozone Park, where I grew up, which that which became, I don't know, it became a Model Sporting Goods. I don't know what it is now, but it's. I, I, I would imagine a lot of the people listening to us have the same sad story about their local theaters. Yeah, um, they're you know they're gone. I'm going to think about your question, Mason, and maybe I'll have an answer by the end of the show. But I will jump to my first one. Uh, also from the 70s, I did something weird with this. I decided to do a movie that's turning 50, a movie that's turning 40. You love those anniversaries. I do. And a couple that are turning 25. I don't know if I'll get to them, but I'll I'll talk as fast as I can. Uh, 1971, turning 50 this year, is Robert Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller, uh, a revisionist Western that I love with Beatty, uh, Warren Beatty and and Julie Christie. Have you seen this picture? 
I've seen some of it. You know, I've never seen the whole thing. You know, they finally restored it. It took them years yeah, to restore so it. Good. Every time you saw it, it was all like fuzzy and it looked terrible because the filter in it's kind of, you know, deep and rich and strange. Yeah, the anyway. whole film is is kind of brown. Uh, yes, it, it 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 does. It's it's a fascinating picture. Uh, Beatty Pitt plays uh, McCabe, John McCabe, who's a, a hustler and a gambler, and he comes to a mining town in Washington. And he gets uh, involved with Julie Christie, who is an English madam. And yeah. they they open a bordello together. Uh, uh, it's a beautiful film. He he uh, he's basically a, a braggart and a, and a bit of a con man. And he manages to convince the locals played by a great Altman stock company of actors, uh, John Shuck and and Rene Aubergenois, which I love saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shelley yeah. Duvall, uh, Keith Carradine, who did the podcast, uh, Michael Murphy. Um, he can somehow convinces them that he's a gunslinger and that he killed a man. And so they're kind of uh, they're kind of fascinated by him and in fear of him until some local businessmen start muscling in on the town and on their operation and uh, predictably bad things uh, result. I even though this movie's 50 years old, I don't want to give out. I don't want to mention any spoilers in case people haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't really seen the whole thing. And you know what? I'm not a Western person, so that's it's, it's kind of an anti-Western, really. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's not it's not shootouts and horses. It's a character no. study. Well, Butch and, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I love. You know, that's a Western. Too. That's like the me one too. Western that I love. But anyway, go ahead, continue with it's the a, McCabe and the Mrs. Piece. Miller. You know, it's a mood piece. It's it, there's a there's a it's it, great performances, really. I mean, the plot, in a way, I I, I think is ultimately uh, almost secondary. Uh, there's a couple of there's three Leonard Cohen songs too that are that are su- such a a big part of the film because they kind of uh, tell the story of the film and the story of the characters. You kind of have to see it. Uh, uh, to see what I mean, uh, you know, at that point that that Beatty was kind of running his own career, making some wonderful choices. I mean, I love Shampoo. I love this one. I love Heaven Can Wait. Uh, Me too. Parallax I love view. Shampoo. Yeah. Um, and I love Altman. I love Robert Altman. I love Nashville. That's one of my favorite too. movies. It's Me too. brilliant. Oh, Lily yeah, Tomlin, love, Keith Carradine, Barbara Harris is magnificent in it. Great picture. <clears throat> if you guys haven't yeah. seen that one. Uh, if really you haven't good. seen Brewster McCloud, it's it's a bit of an acquired taste, but a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I uh, saw I, that. I just yeah. I just saw that recently. But I loved it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm an Altman. Yeah, he's fan. in that. He he's in that room with the bird. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, yes, it's a wild picture. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he lives in a stadium. Yes, and yeah. I, the Houston Astrodome. I, I, I as yes. memory serves. Yeah, um, and, it, and it starts off with the national anthem, and then it goes into the black national anthem. I remember that whole thing. It was, and they, they were just talking about the national anthems and that they should play both before games. And I'm watching this movie from the '70s, and they did both. This gospel choir just goes off. It's great. It's a great very, movie. I liked it a lot. Inventive, inventive filmmaker, uh, you know, uh, and, and this film. Has a lot of features, a lot of the uh, uh, the things you would expect to find in an Altman film. The overlapping dialogue, uh, yeah. It's 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 a it's a, definitely a mood piece. Uh, you know, he was a genre buster. This is you know an anti western. I also picked an anti musical. We'll see if we get to it. But you uh, did. Yeah. And uh, the other Altman picture that we can recommend that I think a lot of people have seen is The Player with our pal Whoopi. Yeah, um, that was the and, that's a great movie. She's she's wonderful in it. It's a great movie, and it's. That was like, that was a big deal for Altman too. It kind of, not that it brought him back, but it was it was a critically huge. 
Yeah. Yeah. Huge and movie Go- for and, and and Gosford <clears throat> Park, another another pick. They, oh I'm my thinking, god! I'm thinking I love of how one. this ties to podcast. Yes, you're right. Bob yeah. Yes, that, that, you're right. Gosford Park's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. It sure yeah. is. He's really got he a, was a great filmmaker. Work. Agreed. Let's take another one of these things. If I hit the right button. Okay, go ahead. Not a given. Here we go, Mary. Yeah. Wow, luck. wow. Mario Cantone is on stereo. That's amazing. As a uh, longtime lover of Sex and the City and as a uh, straight, white, dumb male, I love you. You are so amazing, yeah. especially on Sex and the City. Man, this is such a treat. I did not know I was going to see you on stereo. Thank you for being here. Love, Mario love you, you and, and everything you do. Oh, that's very, that's thank sweet. you very much. That is, and I love it. You know, I love when a straight guy admits they love sex in the city. It really means they're secure in their sexuality. It <laughs> really does. Of us out there. <laughs> it's really true. It just means it, you know, it's very good. <laughs> I, I like that. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that's very sweet. And very I'm glad nice you love you. everything I do. And to all my fans, I wish you all a good night. Um. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I think it's your what? turn. Fuck. <laughs> Oh, my turn. Okay. I'm just—I'm proud uh, of the fact that I hit the right button. So I'm—that's going to. Well, I already mentioned well. some of the movies that I picked, but also New York, New York is my other one. My other oh, Scorsese. Okay. Oh, we're on a Scorsese kick here. Go ahead. Because also, it's and when it came, you know, it's about a singer and a, and a musician, Liza Minnelli and um and Robert De Niro, and they meet in the big band era and after World War II on on, on VJ Day. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, it, it, and they fall in love and he's this, she, and actually her performance in it, she's, it's not as like, you know, divine and decadent as cabaret. She kind of plays a down to earth, normal gal who happens to be an incredible performer. And De Niro mm-hmm. plays mm-hmm. this fiery, intense musician. He's a sax player. He, George all does all his saxophone playing, but he learned to the whole, he learned how to finger the, the sax appropriately and make it feel good. And he, um, he's very, as the relationship goes along, he's like very jealous of her success. And he plays jealousy in like 90 different ways. And it's, he's brilliant in it. It's his most glamorous movie. And what Scorsese did is he took all these fake looking 1940s sets that you would, you'd see in a 1940s movie, the backdrops, they're all fake. The trees are fake. The train's fake, but it's beautifully, beautifully designed. I think it's Boris Levin. Um, and, and then he juxtaposes this kind of dramatic story in front of that. That's kind of mm-hmm. real and, and a little dark and, and all the musical numbers are performances or a movie. Um, none of them. She never breaks into song or an audition the first song is an audition. She never like breaks into song to move the plot along. So it's kind of an anti-musical, but it's brilliant. And, and, and I don't think Scorsese was, I heard they were all very kind of high during it. It was kind of the last movie before Raging Bull where they were really doing a lot of drugs. But he, every time he talks about that movie, Mr. Scorsese, he kind of apologizes for it. And he says exactly what I was trying to do was juxtapose the, the look of a 1940s musical against this, you know, drama. And, and I hope I succeeded. And I just want to yell to the screen and go, you succeeded. It's brilliant. And when it came out, it got terrible reviews. Yeah. And, I remember that. Um, and, and they cut it. They had cut it before it was released and it got really bad reviews. And then um, about maybe 
let me see, 79, 81. But four years later, they re-released it in art houses, the, the full cut, the, the uncut version of it. And then it got really good reviews. And it's a, they cut out um, the happy ending sequence, which is like a mini movie musical that Liza Minnelli does. It's fabulous. Um, it's just, it's, 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 it's a great movie. And I think, you know, you could point out some flaws in it, but I think it's a pretty, pretty great movie. And the, the music is all great. She's magnificent. He's beautiful in it. It's really good. I like it a have lot. You, have, you, have you met Scorsese in your travels? I know you've, you've certainly, uh, no, you've certainly crossed no, paths with Liza. No, I was in this, want- I've been in, I've been in the same room with them, but I never, I never. Don't you want to Liza, run up to these? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, don't you want to run up to these directors when you see them and grab them and just say, you know, yes. please, please, I love that. I love that film. Please don't question it. Yes, I do. And I, I've, I've been in the same room with him. I was in the same room with him when I went to see King of Comedy at the Tribeca Film Festival. I was backstage and De Niro was there and Jerry Lewis was there. And I spoke to De Niro, mm-hmm. De Niro again about the movie and how much I love it. But I didn't go up to Jerry Lewis and I didn't go up to Martin Scorsese. But, um, yeah. you know, you keep your distance. You know, you can't be, a, you know, the best advice you ever get in the whole world is don't be an asshole. So, um, uh, but I, I, Eliza, I've spoken to Eliza about this movie, you know, many times. And, and I said, you know, it's one of my favorite ones. And she went, weren't you disappointed? I'm like, no, I wasn't disappointed. She goes, we improvised so much. I said, I know you do, but it's beautiful. It's natural. And she, I said, it's a great movie. It is. I said, yeah, it is. See, you know, when you, when you release a film like that and you're, it's inundated with not the greatest reviews, you, oh, of course, someone like Liza Minnelli goes through their life thinking it was a lousy picture. Meanwhile, it's a really great one. I, I, and I have the poster I, on the wall that I stole from the Stone Cinema. So there. Uh, there's a picture called Fire Sale that was made in the 70s by, by Alan Arkin and Rob Reiner oh, yeah. in it. And he's hilarious in it. And I went up to him. I couldn't help myself. I, I grabbed him backstage at The View and I said, you know, I'm a big fan of Fire Sale. And he was very sweet about it. But I think he thought I was crazy uh, because it was such a maligned movie. But I, I, you know, it's 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 a funny thing. I think that these people should, when they come on the podcast, I I, I seize every opportunity to say, you know, I love this picture and it's an important picture. And please, please don't be well, down on it. I'm talking, I'm talking, but I, I'm talking up their work because I, I in, a, in a way, I feel the pain of 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 their bad reviews or the the years of work that they put into it. Well, the thing, you know, it, on a smaller level, I mean, if, I mean, if someone comes up to me and says they love something that I did that I think was awful, yeah. I, my first reaction, like whether it's a Broadway show and there's been a few that I did that I didn't love, love um, most of them I did love, but there was a couple and um, or, 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 or a thing I was on on television, a series of some kind, I, I mean, and when they tell me they love it, I just want to go, are you friggin' nuts? It's terrible. <laughs> You've got no taste and you have to stop yourself yes, from saying right. that to people. But but I but I understand the mindset of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I try to do that on the show whenever I get an opportunity well, to do it. Let's let's uh, let's take let's take another one. Because because when you when you love the thing. You know, I've I've never talked to Steve Martin well, briefly once, but I've never talked to him about the film that I'm going to talk about, which uh, uh, clever viewers can or clever listeners can probably uh, guess, which I'll talk about mm-hmm. after we take this. But mm-hmm. if I did, the point is, if I did have a moment with him, I would I, I would probably say, boy, you know, this this is a malign film and you've lived with it all the, these years, but it's a masterpiece. I happen to know that he knows it's a masterpiece, but. 
We'll get to that in a moment. I was, I was just going to say, yeah, I have a feeling he knows it's damn good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I know what I'm you're going to say. Panels yeah. on the film. It's a film turning 40 this year, too, which is why I put it on my list. But let's see what we have here from another one of these listeners. Which version of Frosty the Snowman does Mario prefer? The one they've been showing on TV for the past however many years or the one with June Foray as Karen? Wow. <laughs> Mayor? <laughs> uh, the one... What's your standard uh, I, line about Frosty? Well, you know, I always say that he's a pedophile because he took that little girl into the greenhouse at the end and got all hot <laughs> and he melted. He was ready to do something that one. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he, I, June Foray played Karen. Yeah, there, were, there, were, there were a couple, I think there were a couple of inferior Frosty knockoffs. I, I haven't no, seen I like I never, the, I never saw Rudolph no. shiny New Year either. I like the first, well, it's, uh, it's ridiculous, but yeah. I like the first Frosty, the original Frosty the Snowman that they show on TV or, you know, the one I have on my Blu-ray set because I have to have my Blu-rays because I'm 90 years old. <laughs> we love our ranking I can't believe Blu-ray. I can't believe Blu-rays mean you're old. It's horrible. Okay. Anyway. Um, well, at least you're uh, yeah, not I, that bragging about your laser discs. Be quiet. Right? I never had a laser disc. <laughs> <laughs> I never had him. It's not true. Our friend Christopher Bly is chiming in. He's listening to this conversation and chiming in with with facts about New York, New York, and the movie I'm about to mention. Thank you, Christopher. He said he was he was at that screening that you were talking about the uh, the New York, New York screening. Oh, I did the the King of Comedy screening. The 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 Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, It was great. Here's one that I was talking about, a uh, Steve Martin movie from 1981. Yeah. Uh, really kind of an anti-Steve Martin movie. People know where I'm going with this one. And, and yeah. you were talking about uh, uh, Scorsese making an anti-musical. Boy, is this ever an anti- anti-musical? Yeah. And that's Pennies from Heaven. Yeah, because uh, I love this film. Yes. I love it for so many reasons. And, and uh, as I've said on the podcast, too, that sometimes you love a movie because of where you were in your life or, or what kind of week you were having or what kind of day you were having or where you saw it. And I saw it in a, in a, in a, in a, a light snowfall, a, a, a fresh snowfall. I went into the, the old Ziegfeld, the l- late lamented Ziegfeld Theater, and saw this movie. There were not a lot of people in the theater, and I was just absolutely knocked out by this movie it stays with me all these years it is of course based on dennis potter's uh, bbc miniseries with bob hoskins so there was an original version of this before mgm uh took a chance on on making this with a young steve martin who was coming off of doing the jerk yeah i think his fans were obviously bewildered and it oh. caused it caused some some uh confusion in the marketplace that didn't help the box office you know, it's his first dramatic role. It's a very, very different kind of movie. Um, it's a it's a Depression era musical or anti musical set in 1934 about a sheet music salesman who's uh, uh, in a loveless marriage and he's and he's living a miserable life really. And he he fantasizes uh, that he's living inside these these songs, these escapist Depression era songs, the songs that he actually peddles. And I, I can't say too much about it without giving away where it goes and what happens. But Christopher Walken shows up. Oh, it was it was the, his numbers and his musical numbers. Incredible. He does. a version. It, it's, of what, what, what's the song he does? Let's misbehave. That's right. And we should point out the actors are lip syncing. 
uh, Bernadette Peters show is is in the cast who was dating Steve Martin at the time, and she's a she's a school teacher that he falls in love with. Every character is a tragic character, but that but that is the point. The point is that the depression is is a tragedy, and these are people fantasizing about another life through this music. And um, they're all record. Yeah, they're lip syncing to all recordings of they're lip syncing from the thirties too, right? Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, a great movie, and it people didn't like. I don't think the people didn't like the I feel like they didn't like the juxtaposition of these full out musical numbers. And then those very serious kind of down scenes that, 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 that move the plot along. But to me, I was the biggest Steve Martin fan. He's one of the reasons why I went into stand up. I saw him do stand up live many times. Oh, I, I, knew I didn't know that about what you. He did. Oh yeah. And I, Oh, I love him. And he came to see the last performance of my first broadway show and he came backstage and said some incredible oh, wow. things to me and I, I almost died i yeah i and last time i saw him was at the opening night of um three three tall women and he came over and we spoke and i i he's one of the true greats and so I when agree. i saw this movie as a child i accepted it wholeheartedly because i think he's a magnificent dramatic actor and then he's a phenomenal musical theater performer i mean so to me it was like this makes sense to me and it's brilliantly done. And I love the juxtaposition of the dark and the light. And me it's, too. it's too. a great, great movie. And every time it's on TCM, I watch it. I have it's it. Wonderful. I, I mean, it. if you, I, I, I don't know the state of movie theaters that, 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 you know, when we're, when we're recording this, I don't know if there's ever an opportunity <clears> again <throat> to see something like this on the big screen. I know. Um, I guess soon everybody will have a, a, a 60 foot screen in their homes, but, but, I saw it in the Ziegfeld. I saw it under the right circumstances. I didn't know what to expect. I was 20 years old. I was unfamiliar with the, with the Potter series, which, by the way, is also wonderful, the BBC series. Um, it, it's oh, for, pe- yeah. for, for people who, who have a sense of adventure about their movies and, and are not expecting a, a, a typical Steve Martin vehicle, this is in service to Dennis Potter and, and, and Herbert Ross. It's a totally, it's a totally different animal. Um, and it's 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 dark and yet it's oddly affectionate uh, for those musicals. It's a it's a it's a kind of a weird Valentine. Um, yeah. uh, but I like <clears throat> films about longing. It's a film about my wife mocks me because I like songs about longing and films about longing. But uh, Fred Astaire <laughs> hated it. I read as I was doing research. Uh, he hated it. the movie. He was really offended by it and thought it was vulgar. So oh, God. Uh, but to, to each to each his own. But a, a movie it's not vulgar. Be- 40 uh that turns 40 this year and uh and seek it out and then i'd love to hear what people think about it it's Um, a great movie agreed let's take another one of these here just watched santa claus the movie and notice leslie brickus is one of the songwriters on that one uh both of your thoughts on santa claus the movie thank you captain bly also known as christopher santa claus the movie mario i've never seen it i believe that's the one with dudley moore as an elf that's the one made by the um, Falcons, the the guys that the, the the guys that made Superman that ran a foul. That Richard yeah, Turner I think so. I think so. I guess I should um, watch it now because I love Leslie Brickus very very much. Me too. If I'm not I if think, I'm you know, not misremembering, I think David Huddleston from from Blazing Saddles <laughs> plays Santa Claus, and Chris, I've got, never seen it. Chris, I'm going to have to. I promise you, I will watch it, and then we'll get back to you because. But I didn't know Leslie Briggs was involved in it. I love Leslie Briggs. It's not a musical, though, right? It's not a musical. 
I don't believe. I don't believe. So. No, yes, it's David, not. David well, Huddleston, who was also the big Lebowski, by the way. Of course. So, so and, now you and, can all picture him. Let's and, do another yeah. one of these. Hey, Frank and Mario. This is Matt Bradley Shergi out of Portland, Oregon. Um, Mario, I was wondering why, when you talked about Rink and Bess, um, you talked about the stop motion, but what did you think of some of the other specials that were just with a 2D animation, like uh, their take on The Hobbit or Return of the King? I would like your thoughts on that. Thanks. Love there the show. There you go, Mar. Um, I, I, you know, I, I never, I don't think I've ever seen the, I think I've seen the Hobbit one, but it's not one of my favorites, but I like, I like, um, Twas the Night Before Christmas with Joel Gray. That's a Rankin Best 2D. The Frosty mm-hmm. is, is, is Rankin Best 2D, which is bizarre and interesting. <clears throat> and Billy D. Wolf is the gayest villain ever. Um, and <laughs> there are a bunch of, there's a bunch of, um, Rankin Best that are, that are 2D that I, that I, that I, but yeah, you're right about that. The the stop action ones really pop out to me a little bit more. Um, what what other ones did they do that were, the, the, you know, it's so funny. So many have done like they did the Hobbit. Ralph Bakshi did did an animated Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. uh, also. So th- that's been done a few times when, when, in the animation did, department. I could look this up. I don't have the computer on. When, when did Rankin Bass, Arthur Rankin died a number of years ago. When, when did they stop? When did that partnership dissolve? Do you know? I don't. I don't. I think you, it was, you, I think it was, I think Jules the last, little bit. yes, I did. I think, I think I loved him. Uh, he's a great guy. I, I hope he's doing okay. I don't, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I know he's still around. Um, yeah. I think, I think um, it was the, it was the eighties, right? It was 85. You said? Yeah. Uh, no, I, no, I said he's I, I misspoke on the Christmas show we did. I said he was 95 and then I looked it up. He's only 85, Jules. Oh, my God. He's going to kill you. Um, then he's yeah. still good. He went to my gym. That's how I met him. He went to my gym and he used to work out. He looked great. Right. And I used to always say to him, you, you know, why aren't you on these DVD extras? Why aren't you speaking? Ah, I'm not going to speak on this. I'm like, dude, they think you're dead and you look better now than you did before with that fro you had. I mean, come on. He, he 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 was like eh. I don't think he really got what he did and That's what he shame. was. He was yeah, I was like you're the Walt Disney of Christmas, dude. You got to tell That's these a nice, people a nice it's thing brilliant. to say. Yeah, we had uh, we had Sid and Marty Croft on the podcast and and oh my God. Uh, and I you know and I wanted them again you know especially Marty you know who's such a cynic you know a, a lot of this was a job. <laughs> a job for them, but I wanted them to know, and Gilbert did too. We wanted them to know how, how they shape people's childhoods and that this is important work. And, and look, when you, you have stuff, like, go ahead. When you have children's stuff, when you're doing stuff for what you think is for kids, you don't think it's important. Like I had a kid yeah, show there for may five be some years. Of that. I had a, I had a children's show for five years, but I'll tell you the difference with me is like, it was more of an adult show, and we made it that way, Steam Pipe Alley. And I Steam Pipe Alley, give it a shout very out. Happy. I was very happy about it. I was like, when people mention it, I'm like, okay. People are afraid to mention it sometimes because they think that it's something that I'm not going to be happy with or proud of. Or, but I'm not. But I do get, as a creator, you know, when you're doing, uh, you know, a series of things for, for kids or children's sure. TV specials or whatever, but they're iconic. And some of them are kind of brilliant. So, yeah. I mean, you got to let them know. 
I wrote a lot of kids show uh, kids shows in the '90s. I wrote a lot of cartoons, so I relate to what you're saying about uh, yeah. about th- that kind of work being being considered less serious or less important work. And some yeah. of the ones I did, some of the, some of the things I did would fall into that category. But some of it I was proud of. And yes. if, if I ever got a guy like Jules Bass in, in, in front of me, you know, yeah, I, I, I feel like we almost have a, an obligation, a duty to, to tell these people, you know, yes, this, you is, this is important stuff that shaped us, that shaped us as artists, that shaped our sensibilities. So, you know, please don't denigrate it. They have their own, you know, obviously they have their own experience, their own relationship with their own work. But yeah, it's one of the do, joys but... of doing a show like this because you you do get to you do get to gush and you do get to, to speak for um for millions of fans and tell them this you know this this meant so much to us and yeah uh, to people who thought they were forgotten you're doing them you know you're letting them know they're not yeah well tim robbins you know? was on the show recently and he directed a movie a couple of years ago called cradle will rock uh that's that oh, sort yeah. of fl- flew under the radar and i and i i I went out of my way to say, I didn't go out of my way. It was really natural to me to say, this is an important movie, a terrific movie. I think it's, uh, I think these people should hear it. That was the movie about Orson Welles. Yeah. Really good production. Yeah. Really good film. Really good. Um, And with, with a a very ambitious movie with a sprawling cast. Anyway, it's one of the, my point is it's one of the, the nice parts about doing the podcast is being able to, to tell these people that their work mattered, especially work that might've, you know, might have escaped people or, or, uh, that's why I do the podcast so much because you tell me my work matters. So that's, I why remind the you only that you were in Mount Hunt and Quiz Show and you yell at me. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, well, we're, we're up, we're up to your next film. Oh, I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you got? I got, um, th- my next film is another, it's a Bogdanovich film. Um, and oh. I mentioned it already is, well, I didn't. Actually, um, it is, it's, um, well, I was going to go between Paper Moon and, and What's Up, Doc, two of my favorite I love movies. Paper Moon. But let's, let's talk about Paper Moon. Paper Moon, yeah. uh, I just saw it again recently, and I hadn't seen it in years. And it is, I think it's, it's one wonderful. of the best movies. And the, the, the thing that they lucked out with the fact that <clears throat> Tatum O'Neill is like, first time, she's unbelievable and her chemistry with her father because she can't make that up is mm-hmm. quite great and Ryan O'Neill's hilarious in it and great Madeline and Kahn Madeline Kahn who's probably one of the greatest when I first saw What's Up Doc I remember going to that film and, and I it was the first time I ever saw Madeline Kahn and I was like who is this and you go for Barbara Streisand and you leave with Madeline Kahn and it's just like not that Barbara's not great in it because she is but she she's astounding in it. I mean, and she was supposed to play Gooch in the movie Maine, and Lucille Ball saw this pretty redhead and had her fired. Oh yeah, so she didn't end up playing it. And then she ended she ended up doing um, that was before, right before uh, What's Up Doc, and then she ended up doing What's Up Doc, and yeah. Paper Moon. She was nominated for, I believe. I don't think she was nominated for What's Up Doc. She was nominated for Young Frankenstein, and she was nominated for Paper Moon. I believe. Am I right or wrong? I don't, I, don't, I don't have research in front of me, but the next time we, the God next time we do it. one of these, I'll turn the computer. I'll turn the computer. You're on. the worst. You're fired. It's too much for me to Stereo. handle. I know. I know. Too much you have for your me hands to do it once. I know. I don't have yeah. a staff. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe it is, you have a staff. Yes. Never mind. Let's, All right. Let's so not. let's. So yeah, I, so never, I love she it. never gave a bad performance in her in her life. Madeline Kahn I mean, never talk about a loss. Yeah, talk about, I mean, and I and I. 
I worked with her once. I, I, I did a, a, a workshop reading of this musical by Jerry Herman that's based on the Mad Woman of Shiloh called Dear World that Angela Lansbury did originally. It's a great score, not a great book, and it, it didn't do that well on Broadway. But anyway, we did a, 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 a reading of it. It's an all-star reading. It was like Arthur McDonald, Michael C. Hall, Alfred Molina, Cheetah Rivera, Deborah Monk, and Madeline Kahn. And Scott Ellis, who directed it, was like, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah. And I, I'm like, there's really nothing in it for me, but I just want to be in the room. So I wanted to do it so bad that I played the role of the quote, deaf mute. So that's how bad I wanted to <laughs> just be around. Just to be there. Yeah, yeah just did to be. You, so I did you pull, did you pull day, her over and rave about Paper Moon? Oh, you don't even know. I went off. I was like, I mean, I wasn't crazy. I was gentle. And I was like, I called her. I would sit down next to her and go, hello, genius. I mean, like, and she was so sweet and lovely That's and nice. kind of kind of like shy a little bit. But I remember asking her, I said, where are you for? I just went off about how brilliant I think she is. I said, this, you know, there's nobody like you. And I and and I, I said, where are you from? She said, I'm, I'm, I was originally from a little town outside of, in Massachusetts. You would never hear of it. And I'm like, I, which one? And she went, Revere. I went, Revere. My cousin was killed on Revere Reach Parkway. By the mafia. So <laughs> I know nice. Revere. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, so, and so she moved to New York with her mother when she was four years old. She wanted to be, a, a, her mother wanted to be an actress and her mother never made it. And Madeline did. And they kind of had supposedly a, a, a loving yet tumultuous relationship. But I remember one day they were doing the 35th anniversary of Warner Brothers and I was, oh no, the 75th anniversary of Warner Brothers, sorry. And I was <clears throat> 35th, it would have been, <laughs> would have been the 40s. Um, no, I was the, um, it was the 75th anniversary of Warner Brothers movies. They were doing a decade a day. And they were doing the 70s one day. And I was going to see Blazing Saddles. And I was at the elevator with her. I said, I'm going to see your picture tonight. She was like, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to see Blazing Saddles. They're doing 75th anniversary of Warner Brothers. It's the 70s day. One of the movies they chose is Blazing Saddles. And she said that, you know, she, I said, how was making that movie? She said, well, you know, Young Frankenstein was a lot more fun because it was a little more tense with Blazing Saddles because Mel hadn't had a, hadn't made a movie in a while. So she said it was more, it was a little more mm -hmm. kind of, uh, a little more stiff and not stiff, but a little more tense. And Young Frankenstein was kind of freer for her. But anyway, I came back the next day and I said, I want you to know that your name came up on the screen and you were the only one that got applause. And then after your number, I'm wow. tired, you got applause. Yeah. So I let her know that. This is what we're talking That's about. You got to let them know. Yeah. You got to let them know. That should yeah. be the name of the podcast. You got to let them know. You got to let them know. She is in, in those two films, I, I, you know, and they're two of my favorite movies. We did a whole episode about Blazing Saddles with Norman Steinberg and Andrew Bergman, who wrote the script with Mel and, and Richard Pryor. But then yep. some nice things about Madeline said in that episode. But she mm. I can't imagine either one of those movies without her in them. And she, oh, I can't either. It's a cliche to say she steals every scene she's in, but she does. And, and she does. Uh, she she elevated even elevated weak material, which is the the sign of a great yes, actor. My wife, my, absolutely. My, a slight slight departure. My wife and I watched a movie called Fred Claus because we're we're always desperate to find a new Christmas movie. And despite bad is, reviews, we thought we'll give this a shot. It was about it's about comedy about Santa Claus's uh, ne'er do well no, played by Vince. I Paul. know that one. That, that with Vince Vaughn, yeah. Yeah, it's okay, but uh, and it, it didn't offend me. It was all it was, it was okay as modern Christmas movies go, and there it had its moments. I'll I'll say, but Paul Giamatti, to me, 
is one of those actors that there's something about the guy that and I, my wife and I looked at each other and we just said, he's just good in everything. He's brilliant. He's funny brilliant. And, he can, and he's dramatic. He does it all. And he's one of the yes. nicest people. One yes, of the I nicest. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him. We'll have to have him on I've the show. I've just met but... him a few times briefly, but he was so kind and he's a wonderful Brilliant actor. He, One of the he greats. He takes material. He can take like mediocre material or okay material and sell it. I mean, then the commitment, uh, you know, and you're just you, – you, 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 you immediately say, I'm watching a brilliant performance. Yeah, yeah. In, well, that's in, what she, that's what she did too. A, huh? That's what, what she did say? too. You, you're right. That's what she did too, Madeline. And, yeah, you know, paper – Something like her, my anxiety, which isn't great in my book. but No, but, but she's but, great in it. But she's she's just oh there she is and and the screen yep. lights up and it's, yep. and it's automatically and, a better movie. And her what, what, I don't know her in Paper Moon her walk and the way she worked her breasts I love Paper in that Moon. movie it's yeah. hilarious it's just a great movie and you know he, he's a con man Ryan O'Neill and he takes this little girl who you don't well I won't give it away but you, if you yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah, we'll it. It's a We're great trying. movie, and it, it, it's got a, it's black and white. It's got a great tone to it. It's very funny. I love that and it, film. It's death. it's great, and it holds up. It's it's it my favorite. Up. We had Bogdanovich on the podcast a couple of years ago, and I think I I think I I I think I gushed appropriately about Paper Moon. I think it's this. I think it's this. I I love Last Picture Show. I Me love too. What's Up Doc. Uh, I too. love St. Jack. I think this is. And oh, I like me too. I love St. Jack. But I think this is I think it's his best movie and um, yeah, and, and a, a must see for people listening to this. Add it to your list. Yep. Yep. Uh, let, All right. What do you got next? More of these. All right. Take, mm-hmm. yeah, take a question. Yes. Yeah. Take a question, please. What else? Hi, Frank and uh, Mario. Um, listen, I'm just watching a bunch of Walter Matthau movies and I watched a new leaf from 1971 and thought Great it was one. brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, Walter Matthau movies that uh, you think that are just classic that we should not be missing? Oh, I got a bunch. <laughs> I got I got a few too, and I well, love a new leaf direct, directed by I'm, Elaine May. Did I she direct this, that, I, or she's in it? I believe she made it too. I, I, I want yeah, to say she directed I wanna, it too. I want to yeah, say she, did. she directed that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. A new leaf is phenomenal, and it should be on people's list. You know, this whole this whole uh, episode we're doing is is sort of a tribute to the seventies. Uh, even though I, threw, I know, I threw, even though I threw um, uh, uh, pennies from heaven in there, we're talking about Alice doesn't live here anymore and Paper Moon and and uh, and these great uh, Madeline Kahn performances. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, uh, Charlie Varick is another one. Uh, terrific Mathau performance, uh, directed by Don Siegel of Dirty Harry fame. Um, I, I've made a fuss about that movie on the show. I did so when we had Charlie Mathau on, who's in it as a boy. Um, so many Mathau performances. Where, where do you begin? Uh, is The Fortune Cookie an underrated performance? He won the Oscar for it, so probably not. Well, no, he's brilliant in that. But you know what? Here's one that no one would expect me to say. <laughs> I love Hello, Dolly. I think, it's, I think it's a great movie, and Barbara's great in it, and he's magnificent in it. He's, and it's a musical performance, and he couldn't sing, and he was great. It was funny and good. You know, I don't think I've ever seen Hello, Dolly. First of all, I love that movie. I don't care what anybody says. And I I just saw it on the big screen last year. And it's just 
fantastic. I'm it's adding Gene it to Kelly my list. directed it and Michael Kidd choreographed it. It's a great movie musical. And it didn't get the greatest reviews, but yet it got nominated for the Oscar. It was probably one of the biggest bombs the 20th Century Fox had that year. <laughs> Well, that but was at the time a, that musicals like Doctor Doolittle and and what was the what's oh the what's the, Julie, yeah. what's the Julie Andrews one that flopped? Uh, uh, Darling, Darling Lily. Darling Lily. The, these Darling these Lily. movies that were killing the musical. Uh, yeah, well, the, you know, and they did the Roadshow edition, so they had the intermission and yeah. But yeah, I've never I, seen I, it. I, I I just put it on oh, my list. He's great yeah. in it. He's really yeah. he's he never he's never bad. He's never bad. What was Carol was Channing's opinion of the movie version of Hello, Dolly? Well, Barbara Streisand and I were nominated for the Tony Award in the same year. She was nominated <laughs> for Funny Girl, and I was nominated for Hello, Dolly. And I won. And then we were very good friends. She came backstage afterwards, and then she got the movie of Hello, Dolly, and that was the end of that. Wow, very good. Yeah, she, I missed that. that I missed that Carol Channing impression. Uh, Chris Bly reminds me <laughs> that the movie Star was was another one that, that fought. That Big bomb. Bob, it was about. It was about. Um, yeah. Oh God, it was. It was about Gertrude, uh, Gertrude Lawrence. Gertrude Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Right. 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 Yep. Right. Yep. I don't know how I retain this stuff about movies I've never seen. I don't either. All right. So uh, let's, let's take a couple of more of these, and then go we'll ahead, do our, we got a few we'll minutes. Last pictures. Did you Did you come up with four or or three? Um, movie, movies. Um, <clears throat> I came up with four. Okay, so we'll do a couple of call, a couple of these recordings, and then we'll we'll quickly do our last okay, ones. Go ahead. Hang on. Hey guys, John Fodiatis here. It's also John Fodiatis. Mr. Yanni. My question to both of you is: Godfather One or Godfather Two? As far as I'm concerned, oh they both need to be at the top of the list. Thanks oh a lot. What you didn't like the death scene in number three? <laughs> Shut up! Which, I like number three. Somebody likened um, might have been Gilbert. Somebody likened it to Artie Johnson tipping over on the tricycle on laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you mean when she? Oh, you mean the ending? Oh my yeah, god! Didn't, yeah, um, yeah. We, yeah, we just know, gave something yeah. away. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I um. Happy birthday, I Yanni! Both. By the way, happy birthday! Yeah. I would have to say. I mean, if I have to choose, I'd say two. Yeah, it's a better picture. It's a deeper picture. It's just, well, because well, but then you get Brando in the first one, and it's he's yeah. phenomenal. I just saw a picture that someone posted on your on the the, the podcast website of mm -hmm. of Robert Duvall standing there with with oh, with, with Brando's lines, yeah, yeah, with Brando's lines taped on him while they were turning the camera around to Brando, which I think is hilarious. But he he um I like you know, but in the second one you got De Niro who's just brilliant and beautiful he's unbelievable so you, that yeah. that part of the movie especially i even like it when they edit it all together and they do it chronologically i'm not i'm not opposed to that either that's how good the oh, movie what is. do they call that thing the godfather saga yeah that has yeah. that's aired a couple of times it's got it's mm -hmm. got some weird scenes that they put back in though that some of them don't that don't really work don't fit. You wind up, yeah yeah you wind up realizing yeah. why they were cut the first time <clears throat> yeah um you see the uh, the the guy the guy that sets up. I'm sure if I get this right, the guy that sets him up. One of his bodyguards. You see him running away when Apollonia blows up in the car in Godfather Apollonia. Two. 
not the singer. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> not the singer, but the 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 Italian woman that he that he marries who blows up in the car when he's about to give her the driving lesson, and he's clearly been sold out by one of his bodyguards. So you see, running away in the Godfather saga, that guy moves to America and is and is basically in hiding. And there's just a scene where he gets in a car and the car blows up, and that was oh. something that was cut. Yeah, uh, there were. There are a couple of scenes. There's a couple of scenes from Jack Waltz's house when he goes, when Duval goes to negotiate for Johnny Fontaine. Uh, you see, you see some teenage girls running around the uh, the ones that are being, uh, I guess, introduced to drugs by this uh, this this sleazy movie executive. There were a, a couple of things that were cut, and then you're watching them, and you're going, "Well, now I kind of realize why they were cut." But I guess I'm not answering the question. No, you're not. Uh, so you, you, I like, you just go I like off. Two. I like two, but I don't want to pick because they're both yeah, wonderful. It's, it's hard to pick. Yeah. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. choose? No, you, know? you can't. You remember, right. that, you remember that Brando impression you used to do when he was, when he was 600 pounds? You used to do that in your act? I used to do him the- as Humpty Brando. Yeah. I called him Humpty Brando. <laughs> what, what, what I was the thing, bit? Well, I used to do it. was him. It was him on the stand for his son. Right. And, and I said, and I said, he, yeah, yeah. For his son was on trial for murder. And he, I saw it. On, I saw it on court TV and he really looked like Humpty Brando on the wall. And he was like rocking back and forth. He was like, my son's a good kid. It's, it's, it's not his fault. It really isn't. He's a good kid. It's me. Take me, please. It's the court stenographer. I'm going to eat that blueberry muffin because I'm, <laughs> yeah, that was it's an old bit. God, you love to bring up those old bits. Bit, that I barely you Caroline's, you would do the you would do the bit about his stomach hanging over the witness stand. Yeah, over the witness stand. Oh, see, you yeah, remember more than I do. And your and and, and <sighs> we'll make people find your your bit about Nancy Kerrigan's mother. Okay, okay. Uh, one more. Oh, I hate one, you. <laughs> one more of these. All right. Let's see. Hi, Frank and Mario. It's David Kamarovsky in Ohio. And I'm it's curious to know if there are any films that bring back special memories that you would watch with your siblings and parents when you were kids. Well, that's a nice question. What what special movie uh, brings back memories of watching it with our parents or family or siblings? Jesus. Well, I didn't, you know, my mother took me to the movies once in a while, but I remember going to see Funny Girl with my mother. She oh, took me to see Funny Girl. And that was... Nice. And she was kind of a emotionally <clears throat> unavailable woman. So we connected three movies. So when she would take me to see Funny Girl or when we went to see New York, New York together, she loved those movies. She didn't like Cabaret. She thought it was filthy, dirty, too dirty. Interesting. And it also had, you know, it dealt with lots of different sexualities too, um, which she was not comfortable with. But she loved Fiddler on the Roof. I remember going to see Fiddler on the Roof with her, which was just one of my favorite movie musicals too, Norman Jewish, and it's brilliant. So those well, films, those musicals, you know, and then we would watch nice. TV. You know, we'd also, we always watch a Judy Garland movie. Mimi and St. Louis was on TV. The Bad Seed. She was like, you've never seen The Bad Seed? I was like, no. She goes, well, it's about you. So why don't you sit down and watch it? <laughs> so, it's about so a little kid that murdered people. Pat, Pat, yeah. Patty McCormick in The Bad Seed. Yeah, yeah, killing kids with her tap shoes. Yeah, I remember. But yeah, those are my memories. I, I loved when you said to Gilbert on the Christmas episode that you were going to kill him with your tap shoes on a wharf. Um, oh, yeah. Great line. I think I, I didn't go to the movies with my parents m- much at all. <laughs> I remember seeing Jaws with them in a, in a movie theater, just my parents, and I remember seeing uh, The Omen 
uh, with just my parents. <sighs> my, my mother was a Gregory Peck fanatic, but still is. Uh, and I, I love that. I, and I, I watched some movies that don't, The Great Race, which is not a perfect movie by any means, uh, with Jack Lemmon and uh, uh, Peter Falk and Tony Curtis, although I love it. It's too long. It's, it's too just long. way. It's way over long. It's bloated. Oh, it's, there's, there's a, a million yeah. problems with it, but it's one of those movies that you see as a kid and you love it because you're 13, and then for some reason you love it for the rest of your life. When you grow up, you realize you see all the flaws, but you still have fondness for it. And that was one of the few movies that my dad and I ever sat down and watched together. Okay, here's something that we'll close. So that's on. a nice memory. That's a very lovely memory, even though I have a better one, and it's oh. sicker. <laughs> Your um, sincerity is when I, when I was, isn't it awful? When I was a kid, I was obsessed <laughs> with the movie The Other. The Other is about the two twins, a good twin and a bad twin. Uh, and yes. Uda Hagen is in it, 1973. It's one of my favorite movies. It was one of my picks too. But anyway, I'll just say this. I was so obsessed with it that I, I was Niles, one of the twins, for Halloween. I had like shorts on and lederhosen and I Love carried it. around a... A, a, a print he, he always carried around a Prince Albert tin and in it was a cutoff finger wrapped in blue paper and a family ring. So I had a plastic finger wrapped in blue paper and a ring and I run it. I ran around screaming, Holland, where's the baby? Because Holland was the bad twin that was killing everybody. And nobody knew who I was. I was like, trick or treat. They were like, who are you? I'm like, Holland, where's the baby? They're like, who, what are you talking about? Take your Reese's cup and get the hell out of here. A little hip for the neighborhood. Oh, very hip. No one knew the movie. I was the only one. So there's a childhood memory for you. And I good love night. it. My grandmother took me to see the other. My grandmother did not oh. read. She did not read reviews. She did not understand the intensity of film. She took my sister and I to films that were way too intense for young kids, like a oh. movie called See No Evil with Mia Farrow. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is about a governess who's a blind governess who's in a house. Uh, and unbeknownst to her, the occupants of the house are being murdered by a maniac. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, was, I think I was 10 or 9. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother took me to see that. And she took me she, at the Cross Bay Theater, the aforementioned Cross Bay Theater. She took us to see The Other, which is, again, yeah. not a film. Uh, we'll talk about it briefly. Robert, directed by Robert Mulligan of To mm. Kill a Mockingbird fame. Yep. Uh, a very spooky a terrifying yes. little film. Oh, it's a great movie. It's so scary. Yeah. It's a great book too. Look, you know what I say with kids? Take them to the movies. Hit them hard. Hit them young. Make them see the stuff. <laughs> she did. She did. My grandmother. I liked your grandmother. My grandmother was a woman after your own heart. Quickly, oh, I, I will squeeze her. in one more movie. There are other cards I won't get to in the interest of time. But a movie turning 25 this year is a movie I think you must know. It's a little film co-directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott. And that's a movie turning 25 called Big Night. I love all that food. I just see the timbali and all the food. Yeah, oh my it's, a, God. it's a great movie. I love this film to death. I uh, showed it to my wife. I did some research. I said, what's turning 30? What's turning 25? This movie made in 1996 about two Italian immigrant brothers played by Tucci and, and uh, Tony Shalhoub. Uh, yeah. Terrific, sweet, sad movie. Another movie Beautiful about movie. longing. It's about ambition. It's about uh, d desperation. It's about the American dream. Um, and it's it it it's all boiled down to this this little Italian, this struggling Italian restaurant on the Jersey Shore uh, in the fifties. 
a, a, a beautiful, sad little picture. Saw it in the movies. Yeah. Yep, me yeah. too. Saw it in the movies. Yeah. I loved it. One of my, yeah. it's, I don't remember it. I haven't seen it in so long, but I remember loving it. And, you know, I love, you know, by the way, I just saw a film on Amazon Prime called The Feast of the Seven Fishes that was made last year. And it's one of okay. the better, better Italian American comedies I've seen in a long, long time. They don't Christ- make them Christmas too movie? well, period. Yep. Yep. But it's really good. It's really good. Good performances, We're, good direction. Are always on the hunt for a Christmas, a good, a good new Christmas movie. I think it's directed and written by a guy named Robert Tinnell, and it's based on his graphic novel slash cookbook. It's really good. It's a wonderful film. The performances are great, and it's really well done, and it's pretty great. I was shocked that it was as great as it was. Wow, so it's a good one. What and say, say all right, the again, Feast of the Seven Fishes. The Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's on Amazon Prime. Yep. Okay. I'm going yeah, to yeah, yeah. recap. Uh, I won't go into too much more detail about Big Night, but it involves a famous singer coming to uh, oh, coming right. to the coming They're to the They're waiting for him. They're yeah. waiting for him, and we won't tell you what happens. But Isabella Rossellini's in it. Uh, Grady and Holm, who we just lost. Um, Mini Driver, <clears throat> terrific movie. Recapping: <clears throat> Big Night, uh, Paper Moon, The Other. Uh, from the seventies, we're big. We're we're bullish on the seventies today. Yeah, uh, New, York, New York, New York, New York, New York. Alice doesn't live here anymore, and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and Pennies uh, from Heaven, and Pennies from Heaven from the eighties, from nineteen eighty one. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. See all of these, folks. See them today. Yeah, see them. Uh, and what well, what would Miss Davis? A... What what does Miss Davis have to say about this this new stereo app? Does she have an opinion? Well, on that? I think it's just. Don't give it to Faye Dunaway because she will go on and on and she will not show up. She will be two hours late for the gig. She's a totally and utterly unprofessional. Just don't give it to Faye Dunaway. <laughs> that is my advice to Stereo. And if Joan Crawford was alive, you must not give it to Miss Crawford. She takes way too long to get ready. She has a different pair of falsies every day. It's like running <laughs> into the goddamn Hollywood Hills. <laughs> I have How to about, go feed my child who wrote a book about me. Can you, can you recommend the, the Wicked cage. Stepmother as long as we're talking about that? No, <laughs> no, I cannot recommend the I Wicked Stepmother. It's a horrible movie. <laughs> I cannot either. We want to wish no. a happy birthday again to Yanni Fodiatis, who was nice enough to Happy birthday, Yanni. This was fun, Frank. Show. We'll do it again sometime. It was a lot of fun. We'll thank uh, Jer- Jerry Dixon again and John Murray, uh, just because I like to thank them, and they've been big difference makers. Uh, thanks to Stereo for asking us to do this, and Jason Smith at Starburns Audio, who was a yes. big help, who was moderating. And thanks to everybody who listened and left messages. Uh, uh, if we yeah, have man. more of these, I, prom- I promise we'll do a better job of figuring out how it works. Yes, but this is our first one. I think we did okay for our maiden voyage. I think it was just fine. It was rather serious on my end, but when you want to talk about motion pictures, it should be. Absolutely. Thank you, Mayor. All right. Thank you, Frank. Goodbye, everybody. I'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being a part of this. We appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you for listening. 